we were monitoring this turtle and tracking it and mapping it and sharing the data in real time. And uh, it was so much fun and so cool to have, you know, colleagues and kids all over the world just tracking this turtle. And at the same time, it was so stressful. And I was just like, I, I can't breathe until this turtle makes it home. From Outside Magazine, this is The Daily Rally. Short stories of resilience in the face of big challenges and unexpected adventures. Today, a marine biologist realizes that saving wild creatures demands that you take care of yourself. After this. My name is Wallace J. Nichols, but everybody just calls me Jay. I'm trained as a marine biologist and have worked on solving ocean problems, but more recently also work on reconnecting people to water. My childhood was was pretty wet, I guess you could say, pretty, pretty water-filled. I always felt really good when I was in the water or near the water, and when I was on land, I felt less good. I felt distracted, and I, I stuttered, and I was kind of an introvert. But whenever I was in the water... I just felt free and I felt better. You know, my career as a marine biologist probably grew out of that. Adelita was a, a loggerhead turtle that a fisherman in Mexico caught when she was very young. We named her Adelita after the daughter of the fisherman took her to a, a research facility and they raised her for 10 years. So she lived in a tank for 10 years, uh, was raised and cleaned and fed and we reached this adult size, and I was studying sea turtles there, and I always watched this this one turtle, and she kept resting her head on on the west wall of the tank that she was in. You know, I wrote that down in my in my field notebook. This turtle is always on that side of the tank, and then we had the opportunity to release her, and we got a satellite transmitter and, and put it on her. I took her out in a in a small boat called a panga and released her over the side. Her first few seconds uh, back in the wild ocean after being in a tank for 10 years. And she, she swims a distance away from the boat that is about equal to the diameter of the tank that she had lived in. And then she pauses as if to say, where's the wall? <laughs> stops swimming, just pauses and glides. And her little turtle brain is thinking, where's the wall? If I had done this any time for the past 10 years, I'd whack my head against the wall. Finding no wall, she continues to swim. And then her track just was like a straight shot, you know, like out of a gun straight across the Pacific Ocean, like an arrow. And she just kept going and going and going. You know, one of the lessons I've derived from that initial experience is she she imagined a wall and the imaginary wall stopped her. That's interesting that, you know, we imagine all kinds of walls. Like think of the imaginary walls that stop you from doing the thing you need to do. We all have those imaginary walls. There are real walls in the world that you you will hurt your head if you run into them. But there's so many more imaginary walls that we need to swim through and we need to say, that's not real. That's that's just my fear 
or that's just somebody's opinion. This was the first animal ever tracked of any kind swimming across an entire ocean. So at that point, we didn't really even know if animals made these transoceanic migrations. We tracked it for 368 days, and it left Mexico, it left the Baja California Peninsula, and it started swimming home to Japan. And we tracked it for a year as it swam 12,000 kilometers. And that sounds like, re like a really cool science project, and it was. But every single day, I was like on pins and needles, like, is the turtle going to make it today? Is it going to eat a plastic bag? Is it going to get caught in a fishing net? Is it going to get run over by a ship? Sea turtles, turns out, they're, they're kind of like the poster species for everything that's beautiful about the planet, but also everything that's really going wrong. So they're impacted by climate change, they're impacted by oil spills, they're impacted by sea level rise, they're impacted by destructive fishing practices, habitat destruction. So sea turtles just get hit by all those things directly, like right between the eyes. We all kind of became invested in this turtle's journey. I'm the one who's putting the data online and then sharing the story with kids. I'm, you know, somewhat responsible for the emotional connection that is developing with these kids. And the idea that that could be just cut off by a piece of netting or a plastic bag or, a, you know, a turtle hunter... So we're, we're tracking this turtle and it made its way like, across the Pacific Ocean. And the track is very straight, like uncannily straight for months and months and months, for thousands and thousands of nautical miles. And then the track gets all kind of zigzaggy as she starts to get near the, the Japanese coast, which kind of, you know, threw up a red flag. What's this? What's going on? Is this a, is she searching for a beach or is there something else? going on. So when we checked the dive data and saw that she wasn't diving, it became clear that this, this was an anomaly and something was up. So packed a bag, got on a plane, flew over to Japan with a GPS in hand to visit that final location. The town was called Isohama and it was basically a squid fishing town, just dominated by, by the fishing industry. And uh, nobody said that they saw you know, our turtle, but they did say, yeah, they, they do catch loggerhead turtles while they're squid fishing. And that was heartbreaking after tracking this turtle for a year, then having to share the news like, hey, we think, yeah, she made it to Japan, but we think her, her fate was fishing gear. You know, I think there's a, there's a responsibility to, especially with young people, to just not go around breaking people's hearts and leaving them gasping on the floor for hope. That's not going to work. And so that, that part of the responsibility, and I hadn't, you know, really dealt with that before on, on a, on a big scale. You don't really think of working with sea turtles as being high stress or, a, you know, burnout, burnout potential career. 
but it can be. You sign up because you want to be like Jacques Cousteau and travel the world and dive and, and, you know, hang out with turtles in beautiful places. And then you're like, boom, dead turtles. I can remember just really feeling like on the verge of burnout from just the quantity of dead, dead turtles. And, you know, seriously, what the hell? If you're feeling this way, if you're, you know, if you're a scientist or a conservationist and you're just having lots of bad days, take care of yourself. I would encourage people to make sure there's a piece of what you do that builds you up. Jump in the water if that's your thing. Whatever your water is, you know, there isn't a, a right or wrong water. You know, it's just, but get in it. Like, go there and sit by it, put your feet in it and splash and dive under it and float on it and you know get it in your ears and up your nose and just do it if you're feeling crummy get in the water if you're feeling creatively blocked get in the water if you're feeling a lack of peace in your mind get in the water if you feel like you want to connect more deeply with someone you care about get in the water together <laughs> you need to heal heal your mind and your body and your heart and your soul get in the water Dr. Wallace J. Nichols is a marine biologist, author, water lover, turtle nerd, explorer, movement builder, and an embarrassing dad. He has written several books, including Blue Mind and Dear Wild Child. This story was produced by Sarah Vitek. We want to hear your stories. Please nominate the people in your life who found a way to rally. Go to outsideonline.com slash daily rally, where you can also see photos of many of our guests. The Daily Rally was created for Outside by me, Kat Jaffe, and House of Pod. The executive producer for Outside is Michael Roberts. Additional production and script editing by Marin Larson. Our audio editors are Kevin Seaman and Benny Beausoleil. And our music is composed by Louis Weeks. We appreciate our Outside Plus members who make this show possible. If you're not already a member, you can join us at outsideonline.com slash pod plus. Thank you for listening. <laughs>